Welcome to Teaching Transformations, Designing Your Post-Career Life with Tim Desmond and Ryan Woolley. You look energized today. It's new lighting. <laughs> Is it? I'm upgrading my video. So I got a, uh, a new camcorder I'm using as a webcam. I've got uh, new lighting. I'm, I'm not quite done with it yet, but I'm, I'm working on it. I'm trying to up my game in, in video. You, you know people can't from this podcast can't see you, right? <laughs> well, I had a uh, I had a session right before this one and I have one right after this one, so I gotta leave the whole rig up. Oh, okay. <laughs> I it, just wanted to be pretty for you, man. I, I figured. I appreciate that. <laughs> um you you do always look kind of relaxed and, and energized and uh I it's it's a bit of a contrast. I was I was thinking about it. Um I was in a meeting yesterday morning with a group of teachers <laughs> and man, they all just looked haggard. I mean, yeah. And no offense, but like, I, I just think it's, it's late in the year. It's been a really rough year. People are burned out. And I mean, the bags under people's eyes <laughs> was so obvious. Yeah. I mean, how, how does it compare? I know a April and May are, are kind of tough to, to get through, uh, especially, especially at the high school level where you have kids who are halfway out the door and, you know, not, not focused, but like, how does yeah. this compare to other years? Uh, it's been, it's been a rough one. I mean, I think people really feel burned out, um, because I think a normal year is, is hard to keep up with, uh, during the school year, but, um, with COVID and all the remote and hybrid learning scenarios and, you know, all the extra little tasks that people have to do. Like in our lower school, I mean, they're doing uh, lunches in the classrooms. So the teachers are like having oh, to like, like set up partitions, sanitize everything before and after, you know, it's, it, it's a whole another thing that's happening in their classrooms that they have to keep managing every day. And um, yeah, I, I think people are tired for sure. Yeah, and I think too, it's it's probably like the summer wasn't very restful. <laughs> you know, this is all a carryover for, from last academic year, so it's not even like you know, it, it's sort of a double whammy. I, I I am hoping a lot of teachers for for their own benefit <laughs> get some time away this summer because I I'm hearing that not not just from you, but I'm hearing that sort of in other places that you know teachers are just really tired at this point. Yeah. Well, you shared that article with me, uh, that NPR article um, that was just posted recently, I think, um, but uh, th that describes, you know, the sort of burnout that people are feeling this year and the need to nurture and, and take care of uh, themselves. The The funny line that <laughs> the line that stuck out to me as being funny was um, that teachers are seeing self-care as like one one more thing they have to do. Yeah. And it's like. And it makes them even more stressed. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> exactly. not, it's not funny, but it's like, wow, that's, I mean, I, I've seen that. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's, it's no surprise either. Uh, it might be surprised to, to our listeners who are not in education, but teaching usually ranks right behind nursing as one of the most stressful, uh, low paying, relatively speaking occupations. Like it is incredibly demanding emotional work uh, without without the 
the compensation that should go along with it. And typically nurses are at the top and teachers are usually right behind them. Yeah. Well, in the comp compensation piece, uh, I mean, we, we've talked about, uh, yeah, I, I don't think that's a big motivator for people, but it, it has an impact on certain things like, um, you know, many of us don't have the income to sort of like hire house cleaners and, you know, uh, other folks to sort of help us get through our day. And, um, and so that means, you know, we have all that stuff uh, after we after we're done with our, our days, usually uh, we're catching up on the weekends, you know, getting our houses in order and all that, um, which everybody has to do. I mean, that's not unique to teachers, but um, I, I do think there's a, a place where um, where that that income, you know, makes a difference. Sometimes uh, it, it, it forces us to be I, I mean, we've talked about like I do a lot more car work than I <laughs> I probably really want to, but you know, it, it saves me a few bucks. So can't, can't you just wait until summer because you have summers off? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Teachers love hearing that one, don't they? Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a total myth, by the way. Yeah. Uh, right. I mean, that's, oh, yeah. that's sort of the inside joke. And uh, I, I remember one time, this was very early on in my teaching career. One of my family members made that comment to me, something about, well, what do you care? You have summers off. And, uh, and I, I remember I went and I wrote down, I broke it down like um, how much it costs and, and like what, what the cost structure was based on hours and how many hours I was spending. Uh, and then I, I took it back to the family member. I'm like, okay, so if you want me to take care of your, take care of your kid, like here's what it would cost you. And it was, it was some ridiculous figure. It was like $130,000 a year or something. And like, and, and the whole idea of having summers off is, it's kind of funny too because you know your typical teacher doesn't work an eight-hour day. Yeah, you know, they're probably working a ten or eleven or twelve-hour-plus day mm -hmm. for nine months or ten months of the year. So, it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we know that, but it's it's good it's good to remind or inform people who might not be in the profession. Yeah, well, I, that article got me thinking about just all the the layers that have been added over the years of of new things to be responsible for. Um, you know, even just the trainings, when we catalog our, our yearly trainings, I mean, we now have, uh, we got to be in the double digits. I mean, I'm talking about like yearly bloodborne pathogen training, child abuse recognition training, harassment recognition, you know, like um, active shooter drills, technology security training, all of that kind of stuff. And, and pedagogy, you know, keeps evolving too. So, you know, I think people who are really trying to uh, keep up with their teaching game or, you know, there's new tools coming out all the time. Uh, uh, people are trying to build toward personalized learning, blended learning, mastery learning. And then, you know, in public settings, uh, there, there's a lot, you know, just in terms of, uh, addressing standards. Um, it's, it's just, a, it's a lot. I, I give people credit in the profession. I, I really, I, I think, I, I still think it's a really noble profession. Um, but I appreciate, you know, the sort of the, the level, level of uh, workload that, that a, a lot of my colleagues are carrying. It's not easy. Yeah. But I, I want to um, pivot a little bit, um, still kind of on this topic of self-care, but I, I want to get into, um, you know, again, you know, we're, we're t talking about people who uh, find some sort of transition to uh, the next stage, again, whether that's conventional or, 
or more accelerated. Um, but I, one thing I've noticed, um, you know, I've been in the profession long enough to see a lot of my uh, good friends and colleagues retire. Um, and uh, and I always, I, first of all, I have to just admit up front, I'm not, I'm not the best at keeping in touch. Even Neither with people, am I. <laughs> I mean, even with people that I really respect and, and really feel a friendship with, um, it's just not something I'm good at. Um, so I find myself kind of like thinking about them and wondering like how they're doing, wondering how connected they feel. But um, I got to imagine um, that that has to be something that's sort of hard, not hard, but like you just to stay connected. Because I, I think about the communities that we have in, the, in uh, academia that's one of the big benefits. I mean, we have great communities that we're part of, and and um, a lot of us, you know, I think don't don't take that for granted. Um, but when we transition away from the daily connection to those communities, I could imagine that, you know, that could be lonely. That could it could be isolating. Um, and just you know, given your transition, even though it was a conventional and a little more accelerated. I mean, did you experience uh, that kind of stuff? And if so, what did you do about it? Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still, I'm still dealing with it. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I think I always will be. Um, I'm, you know, I'm coming up on four years now of of being retired from teaching, and I have, I've certainly built a community. Uh, and I've and I've joined communities in in this publishing industry that I, that I've been in, um, but even before the pandemic, that that was all. You know that that developed through online relationships. Now some of those spilled over into real life, and you know we talked about authors on a train and and how I've done you know writing retreats and and events and have met some of my friends in real life, but it it started remotely um, and. I, I, you know, those, those remote communities are not, are not the same. Like they're, they're, they're better in some ways, but in some ways they're lacking. And, and I think too, the, the other element to this, that's kind of tricky, and this might be different for people who are not teachers. Um, although I, I could see this happening in the medical field or nonprofits, but when you are working at a school, you are tightly bonded to other people in the best interest of someone other than yourself. Like you are there to, to create quality children. Like that's, that's a mission. Like it's not a, it's not a mission statement. It's a mission, right? And it, that's different. And, and you get really tight with those people because you, you really believe in what you're doing. It's, it's, it's extremely important and it's beyond your own scope of importance because of that, I feel like you teachers especially develop very tight relationships. However, <laughs> once you remove the mission, I, I feel like the relationships don't always hold up. At least for me, they, they don't hold up very often. Um, so I, you know, I have past colleagues who I email um, occasionally. That's about it. Um, now, you know, to be fair, I have colleagues as I worked with in Tennessee and New Jersey and New York and I live in Ohio so you know I'm not in the in the community the local community but even here you know four years out in in greater Cleveland um, you're really the only person that I routinely talk to um, 
fr- from the school. And, and I think it's just because I'm, I'm now one level removed from that mission. And it's not a conscious thing. I'm not, I wasn't ostracized or banished. It just simply don't have the alignment that I did. And, um, it, that's hard because um, there, there's an emotional piece. There's an emotional component to that that's challenging because my kids don't understand that and my wife doesn't understand it. I mean, you know, they know I'm removed, but they don't they, they're not teachers. They weren't in that situation. So they don't they don't know what that feels like. And then you add on to that that, you know, my kids are teenagers. They're doing their own thing. My wife has a has a job. She's doing her own thing. So it's not like it's not like I'm. I retired and now I'm spending all my time with my family. Like they have their lives. Uh, so it, it's been tough. It really has. I can't, I can't really say that like, Oh, I've got this licked or yeah, this is all you do is this. Um, you know, I, I think whenever you transition out of, out of a career, um, that's a reality you're going to have to face for it goes for everybody. Yeah. Um, well you, you are a self-proclaimed introvert as am I. And, and it, it may impact introverts differently than extroverts, but I think regardless of where we are on that spectrum, we're just used to that, um, you know, the constant uh, just connections that are all around you that you don't even have to work on. They're just there every day. And then when, when that goes away or when you step away from that, you know, do you need to fill that in? I, I'm convinced that you you hear people say things like, um, you know, we you always want what you don't have. The grass is always greener, right? Um, I think that's somewhat true, but it's it's really a reflection of of our need for balance. Um, so it's if you're dealing with kids and people stuff all day long, even if you enjoy it and are good at it, uh, you're bound to sort of just feel like you need some, um, some space away. Right. Um, but when, when you have lots of space away and you don't have a lot of that, you know, daily interaction with, um, groups of, you know, several groups of people, um, then you probably want more of that. Uh, I don't know if this is, this is just me sort of speculating, but I think that, I think I certainly would seek that kind of balance. Um, I think the word I was searching for was solitude. Like I, I, I don't get much solitude right now. And there are times when I kind of, uh, I, I wish I could just sort of like sit or lay somewhere and just sort of think my own thoughts and not, and not be bothered, you know, like for a while. Um, but I know if I had a ton of that, I would, it would drive me crazy. So, um, I don't know. I just, but I, I don't know how you, how you intentionally attend to that. And some things are out of your control. Um, some things are sort of like, uh, just part of the, they go with the environment that you're, that you've chosen. And if you're working out of your home, that's, it's going to come at you one way. Right. Yeah. I, mean, I, I felt like I was getting better at it before the pandemic hit. I, I yeah. felt like I was starting to get a handle on ways that I could, that I could strike that balance because I'm like you, I am an introvert. I recharge from time alone. It doesn't mean I hate people or I'm shy. Uh, it, it just means that I need time away from people to recharge, but it doesn't mean I don't like people. So, you know, I get by design, I have as much solitude as I want. Um, you know, I, 
and and that's good to a degree, right? And then you know, I might I might go. Let's say I carve out three days to work on a, a writing project, and and those three days are pretty much me in this room by myself, working at a computer. Like I, I really love that. I love being able to dig into that. And by the end of the third day, I'm sort of craving some interaction. And and I can't even imagine what that must be like for, for an extrovert or someone who recharges by being around people. Like that's you know th- that's got to be a challenge. And I think before the pandemic, you know, I was building into my routine, building into my schedule, um, coffees with friends. You know, I have, I have several author, uh, friends who live in or near Cleveland. And so, you know, every couple weeks I'd meet them for coffee or meet somebody for lunch or, you know, and I, and I was up until the pandemic started, I felt like I was really getting a a handle on that sense of balance. And then, you know, everything like for everyone kind of, kind of went off the rails over the, over the past year. and, And I'm starting to rebuild that. Um, but that's, that's not the same. And I think a lot of, I took it for granted uh, and I'll bet a lot of teachers do as well that like, you don't have to create that connection, um, when you're a teacher and, and it, it's not even just like your friends, it's, it's the whole environment, you know, it's the administrative assistant who sits at the front desk, seeing that person every day, like that is a social connection. Everyone takes for granted or the custodian who's, you know, cleaning up the hall or, the 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 chef at lunch or you know it, it's 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 all of that for everybody and and when you are self-employed you you don't have any of you have to create all of that and and you're not in a place where everyone is in that same position you know you're, you're not you're not you don't have a centralized life you know you're you're sort of compartmentalizing different aspects of it and it and it takes a lot of work and i'm not complaining like by any means but like it's as people transition to retirement, whether that's a conventional retirement or a third act or a second act or whatever you want to call it, like that, that is a component that must be addressed because it is a reality for everybody. So you, you have sought out local people who, who are plugged into some of the same interests and, uh, and professional pursuits, right? I mean, that's really what yeah, and saying. hobbies too. I mean, mm-hmm. again, like uh, you know, this kind of took a, a back burner for the pandemic. But uh, since I've moved to Cleveland, I've been in in two bands, and I'm not very active right now. But uh, even having band practice once a week, you know, that's uh, that's a great way of sort of you know getting getting the the social connection that I need. So yeah, it could be it could be related uh, professional work, or, or it could be hobbies, or just pure friendships too. Yeah. I know you said uh, they're not the same, but I, I would imagine your online communities help some as well. Oh, they, they they totally do, and, and I think um, they're really they're a really important part of my life. And, and and a lot of my best friends right now are people who I interact with predominantly online. Uh, I have met a lot of them in real life, but. Um, you know, one of my best friends uh, lives in Bath in England. Um, you know, I, I have another good friend who lives in, in Costa Rica. Zach lives in Nashville. Like, you know, these are these are not people I'm just going to, you know, pop in and have a coffee with. But um, and, and so I think that, you know, that that's something that uh, takes a little it requires a little extra work, too. So you can have these online communities and um, you can make them what you want them want them to be, you know, and, and I think you can invest in as much or as little as you want and, and you're going to get that kind of return from them. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm wondering about 
you know, we're connected right here. We joked at the beginning. We're we're seeing each other's faces as we're having this conversation. And that's important. Like I I can, you know, we communicate with our our face uh, as much as through what we say. And so um, I think it's helpful to see people's eyes, to see their body language. Um, And, you know, just thinking about the culture of Zoom that has been established during this pandemic, I think video, video chat is obviously something a lot, you know, the majority of the world had to become comfortable with over the past year. Um, and I wonder if that's going to carry forward and, and become a way to have a little bit stronger sort of personal connection, you know, uh, like, like we have right here. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I've, I've already seen I've already seen. I mean, it's anecdotal. You're talking to one guy, but I can tell you that the difference in just people's willingness to to video chat is completely different than it was pre-pandemic. And like now, when I, when I book guests for the Writers Inc. podcast, there's never any question. Like it used to be, okay, well, how do you guys do this? And I would say, well, there's this Zoom, and then like I'll send you a link, and then you make sure. Like I don't have to do any of that anymore. I just say, okay, here's the Zoom link. And people just know. So, uh, and and that's that's really strange because Skype has been wrong around for a long time, um, and yet it took the pandemic and Zoom to make it all video chat ubiquitous. Um, even though we're not using Zoom to do this, like that that sort of you know that, that that sort of idea. The other thing too that I think I've noticed in the past year or so of doing interviews is just how important that video is. And you know, for for the Writers Inc., we don't we don't post the video anywhere. But I I tell everyone I interview, please have your webcam on. Like, mm-hmm. it, it just it makes all the difference. And I can't control that. And and there are some guests who who don't, and they just, and it's it's so much harder for me to conduct the interview when I can't see the person's face. It's tremendously difficult. And and I, and I think it's why. I think it's why once the technology surpassed what was available on the telephone, the people stopped using it. Mm-hmm. You know, people, you know, th- there's, there's making phone calls is not what it used to be. <laughs> and, and I think part of that is because the culture has sort of evolved in, in its communication methods. And part of that has been just the ease of use of a video chat and, and the differences we're talking about. And I just like, if, for me, like picking up a phone now, I, I, I will just avoid that at all costs. Yeah. Uh, I, I've always avoided that at all costs. <laughs> I hate, I hate being on the phone. Um, it's funny. I see it in, um, when we meet with our, our head of school, um, we have like a weekly meeting, uh, as a group with him and, um, you know, we talk strategy and, and, and we talk about what's going on and, um, a lot of times he, he flows ideas past us and he wants to get a reaction and you can see him looking around the boxes, you know, it's kind of like the Brady Bunch type of thing where, but he's, he's really watching to see, you know, yeah. uh, are you, do you agree? What are you thinking? And so when people have their video turned off, it just cuts that off. And I, I, I mean, he's basically expressed that he really wants us to have it on unless we need to have it off. And I totally get that. Yeah, it, it, it totally, it, Completely makes a difference. There's no question about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, aside from you know using tech, uh, um, what what how can we um, help our listeners start to think about ways that they can be um, 
proactive and intentional about, e even if it's far out on the horizon, you know, what kinds of communities can they start to build as a bridge um, that, that will be an important part of their, their post-career life? Yeah, I've been thinking about this and, uh, you know, I'm not a fan of giving advice. I just kind of like to share what my experience has been. And I think what, what worked for me, um, and I, and again, I, ha I have to get better at it, but I think right now when retirement seems like it's close, but it's not right in your face or you're thinking like, I've got to get this unit plan done. Now I'm not thinking about retirement. Like they're just not even on my radar. Like I, now is the time to start exploring communities that are passion-based or are uh, connected to hobbies that you have or interests that you share with other people. I don't think you necessarily need to go to like, go on to LinkedIn and find other groups of teachers and do teacher talk. Like that's not necessarily it wouldn't be what I would do um, being being if I were in, you know, in the trenches right now and uh, and teaching, I would start looking for like, you know, what do I like to do? Is it music or art or dance or photography or gardening or, you know, whatever it happens to be. Now I would start maybe looking for those online communities, maybe uh, looking, you know, I don't know what it's like in your community, I, 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 but I think um, the county library system is pretty good about offering workshops and classes, um, whether it's at the community college, local high schools, at, at libraries or uh, library annexes. But those are great opportunities to start to build relationships with people who are outside of your, your workplace, but aren't necessarily tied to any, any sort of monetary gain. Like there's no pressure involved there. So like you can, you can certainly get involved in a professional community if you kind of know where, where that's where you want to go. Like if you, if you know you want to be writing in retirement, then getting involved in a writer community now is certainly a good idea. But um, I would take the pressure off and just say, you know, what are the hobbies? What are the interests? And, and start dabbling there. Well, it, it might take a while to find the right community because there are a lot out there and you know, you just don't know necessarily what's going to fit you well. Um, so that's, I think that's partly what, what we're trying to, um, help people see is that this could take a while and, and, you know, you can really work on this over time and start long before you get to that, that, um, cliff, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And your interests change. So like may, maybe three or four years from now, you'll be in a different group based on what you're into at that time. And, and that's all right too. Yeah. If you were to start one, start your own community, um, what do you, how do you do that? Ooh, that's a good question. Maybe that's a whole different episode. <laughs> it, it, it might be because yeah. it's sort of like a, it's sort of like a level two. Yeah. You know, um, you have to have a certain organizational skill set, I think is the best way I can put it. Like you, you have to be able to be a good project manager and also a good people manager, because if you start a community just by default, people are going to look to you as as the leader of it, mm -hmm. and and that that carries some responsibilities, and and uh, and some of that can feel like work, depending on how you're doing it. So, you know, it it, it might be worth uh, it might be worth leaving that as a phase two, because also, you know, you're you're also going to learn how communities are run by being in them. Mm -hmm. So it it might be 
better if you're sort of staging the process to get into a group and see how other people run it and sort of take some mental notes. Like, you know, what do you like? You know, what's challenging? What are they doing well? What, what, where are the gaps? And then when you, if and when you decide to start a community, then you'll, you'll be a little better informed about what, what to avoid or what you need to do. Yeah, that makes sense. I think I, I look forward to uh, when I have more time in my life, uh, reconnecting in, in higher ed a little bit. Uh, I worked in higher ed for 10 years before coming back to K-12. And uh, I just, you know, I've always loved the feel of it. Um, I, I met a lot of people uh, in during my time at higher ed who were, you know, taking classes. Um, uh, a lot of universities offer classes uh, for free to uh, people of a certain age. Um, so I think that that's a benefit people can pursue. But there's also just a lot of activities around, and actually, you know, really not even just higher ed, even in K-12, but, um, you know, uh, plays, uh, speaker series, all, we, we have all those things here too. Um, but when I think about some of the amazing speakers that we had on our campus um, uh, when I worked in, at a university, I mean, you know, I, it was all free and I could, all I had to do was show up, but I, I would have paid good money to go see a lot of those speakers. And there's a lot of that kind of stuff that happens. So I think there's a lot of opportunity there as well. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and a lot of those, like you said, are open to, to the general public too. And, and, uh, any, any, if you're a learner, if you're a lifelong learner, those are the kind of things that you, you know, you really enjoy and, and communities can be built around that. I mean, there are some, you know, very passionate people uh, in certain disciplines that, um, you know, would love to sit around a table and talk about it once a week over a cup of coffee or some tea or something. Yeah. I think academics are comfortable in academic environments. Yes, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. Go to teachingtransformations.com and get instant access to Transformations, the free weekly email with the best personally curated resources to help those in their late 40s or 50s to design a post-career life.